Hi guys, this is Angelo Cisco with It's Not All About Fitness, and I'm with my co-host, Paul Bono. And today we're with Jay Lydon out of CrossFit Milford. Um, this is a very special podcast for both Paul and I, I'm sure, because Jason is not only somebody we admire in the CrossFit community, he is also somebody that has mentored both of us on many different levels. Um, so a public thank you, I think, is in order, Jason, for always being there to support us, especially me. I don't know if my journey would have even turned out half as good without you. Um, today we're going to talk with Jason a little bit about kind of his journey and how he's become such a... Uh, well-known coach inside of CrossFit, how his gym has become so established, and then also, too, about program design and things of that nature. A lot of people are trying to get more in that space, and I think there's a lot of people in the CrossFit world and community that have taken this expert role. Um, I know that this opinion is a little bit biased, but I don't know if there's anybody better than Jason with bringing it all together as far as CrossFit. Allostasis. There it is. So, Perfect. So, um, that's a crazy intro, but I first want to just state for the record that I'm extremely proud of the both of you. Um, I think it's been amazing watching you guys each grow over the past four and three years, uh, where your guys' journeys have taken you. Uh, Angelo, with what you're doing in Chicago with Oil CrossFit and how well-versed you're becoming, um, not only as a coach, but as a business owner and marketer. Um, Paul, your journey out to Denver after crushing the games last year and just kind of like finding yourself and each of you guys' journeys. Um, I think you guys have also become teachers to me, which is pretty cool. So it's kind of like this uh, never-ending circle, uh, circle of learning. So uh, thank you, guys. I think we could cut it there, guys. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <some water. laughs> no. All right, that was good. I hope you guys got something out of there. Um, no, so first... Um, Let's talk a little bit about um, your very beginning. I know, um, just tell us how CrossFit Milford kind of got started, how that direction went, and give us yeah. a little background on that. So, I think we take it way back. Um, I went to college for physics and health, and it's what I always did. Then, uh, my main goal is playing basketball. So, everything I did throughout college was geared towards basketball, was geared towards my dream of, of trying to get overseas to play. So I got overseas to play basketball, and as I was doing that, um, I remember it was my senior year, and I, I had I came to a fork and road, and the fork and road was um, my teacher, my professor went to Ohio State, so I was either going to go to Ohio State to get a master's degree in exercise science, or I was going to go to a basketball trial to get an agent. So I chose the latter. I chose not to go to college, uh, well, graduate school. So. I don't have any regrets. I, I went to Boston. Um, again, to, I went to Utah first, then I went to Boston. Uh, I got the agent, and through my agent, I then went out to uh, Holland. And with the inside there, I got a contract. Now, I was playing overseas, not for a long time, not for a long stint, but my main goal was to get an agent and to get over there, which I did. Um, and then I got injured. And there's no sexy thing my injury. It's not like I went up and dunked on someone and tore a rotator cuff or like crossed someone over and then broke my ankle. It's nothing cool. Uh, simple fact of, of slipping and putting a lawnmower over my foot, <laughs> which uh, put me in the hospital for three weeks and in a potential amp amputee of my foot, um, which is not. But that kind of is what ended my basketball career. So I was at that stage in my life and at that point I was kind of like lost, you know? Like I had no idea where my life was gonna go because- How old were you around that time? Hmm. I was when I graduated college, because right from college I went overseas, so 
20, 22, something like that, 23 maybe. Um, but uh, I was lost, right? So everything, and this is something I talk about a lot with, with athletes. If it, no matter what your path is, if you want to be great at something, you have to become selfish. You do. So my whole life was very selfish. It was very self-driven. Everything was about me. Everything was about the goal of getting overseas to play basketball. But that's what drove me. Um, and then it was over. But it was over like before I was expecting it over. So there's no plan. It was kind of like, oh, man. You know, I remember being, I was in the hospital for three weeks. And then after the hospital, I was um, on my parents' couch for like two months, three months. Like I had like this whole vacuum hooked up to my foot. It's like I couldn't even walk, right? And I remember I just graduated. So when I could finally start walking around, I was like, what? You know, it's like I was lost, completely lost. And I think every athlete goes through this. You know, you look at like freshman football players that put on a ton of weight when they get done playing football, like run through money, or you look at these high-level athletes who, when their journey ends, they're, they're young, and it's kind of like, it's it's like searching for like, what, what am I gonna do now? Because to get to that point, that's the only thing you can do. If you're gonna be a high-level athlete, no matter what sport you're in, like that is the only thing that you can focus on and, and, and do and be good at. So you come to the point and it's like, well, now what am I gonna do? You know, it's like, so I went through a stint of like riding motorcycles, I did jujitsu for like three or four years. I was kind of like, I was just searching for like something to kind of grab onto. Um, I think at that point I also went into the financial industry, but not because it's what I wanted to do, it's because I was just like, I had my degree in phys ed and health and I was like, at that point, CrossFit was, wasn't, no one knew what CrossFit was. Like, CrossFit just started. There's maybe like two gyms in the world. I didn't, I knew I didn't want to become a personal trainer at a big gym. Like, I wasn't gonna, I was at that point, I was like 26 or whatever. I'm not gonna like sit around and be a trainer, like fitness edge, you know? So, um, yeah, so my, my now wife was working at um, a financial industry. And she's like, well, I could probably get your job here if you want to try it out. So, like, all right, I'll try it out. And, it's an ongoing joke because, you know, I walked in there and I did not fit fit the mold, you know? Just like the way I talked, the way I wore, I was like, well, I adapted. And um, I was there for probably, I gave it a good shot. I was there for like two years. And I don't think anything was a waste. I think everything in life is an opportunity and everything in life is a learning moment. And um, I just learned at that point that that was not what I wanted to be in, you know? It's like I learned at that point where, that that's where I learned that, listen, I can't, chase the dollar and I got to stick with what I love because um, that's what I was doing there. I remember like making phone calls cold calling people at 8 o'clock at night like the fuck am I doing right now you know it's like sure. what I wanted to rip my eyelids out um, but it's pretty cool though because in this complex I was in they had this basketball tournament <laughs> every year and the guy who owned the complex was a millionaire so whichever gym not gym whichever company won the basketball tournament they get an all expense paid trip so the three years I was there, I just happened to win every year. <laughs> so I think it was good. But I had the coolest story to go along with this. I don't know if I ever told this story. The coolest story in the world. We were playing in a tournament, and I wasn't going to go there, right? I was like, dude, it's Friday night. I've been at work. Like, I don't care about this game. So the team was playing, and this is when I saw my motorcycle, my Yamaha R1. So I'm on my bike, and I'm like, you know what? Let me go go over there and see what's happening. So I, I rip up on my, on my motorcycle. It's like straight out of a movie, right? It's like Days of Thunder. I'm Tom Cruise pulling up, right? So I rip up on the side of my motorcycle. I get off, and they're like, we're losing. And I just have my jeans on, my helmet. I take my helmet off, roll my jeans up. I get out there. 
I hit five consecutive three-pointers and win. <laughs> and I, I get back on my bike and pull away. I was like, this might be the most defining moment of my life right now. Not going overseas, but this moment, I think, is going down in history. It's my defining As moment. As your winning moment? My cool moment. Yeah. My Tom, the turning point. My Tom Cruise moment. My Brad Pitt moment. You know, and like, Brad Pitt That's pulls awesome. up and like Thor with like his hair all long. And his, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, the movie... Uh, uh, what's that Brad Pitt movie when he uh, he's he's the fighter? It was right? Achilles. No, th- that's Achilles. Uh, got him. Fight Club. No, not Fight Club. <laughs> what movie did you say? No, 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 no. So so it was like back in the day with like the uh, Spartans. He was Achilles. Yeah, yeah. What's that movie called? Troy. Troy. So it's like when he's drunk and they wake him up to go fight the other guy and he yeah. like he r- just takes a couple steps, two steps, stabs him in the ribs and yeah. walks away. Yeah. Like that was my that was my Achilles moment. It's awesome. All right, so then, so then, anyways, sorry. So, uh, so then it was like, so I think through that job, I uh, I connected with someone who was an acquaintance in the past, um, not a friendly acquaintance, but just someone I knew of, and they had a gym and they were like a small personal training studio, and uh, they were selling it, they were getting out of it, and I was like, you know, you want to buy it? And I was sitting there with Joss, and I was like, I was like, I just want to, like, that's what I love doing. I, like that's what I want to get back into. I was like, she, and and my wife who always supports me was just like, well, if you're gonna do it, do it now because we don't have any kids, we don't have a crazy mortgage, so now's the time to kind of do it and give it all you have and just see what happens. So that's what I did. Bought a personal training studio, ran like a boot camp personal training gym for like two years. Found CrossFit. Um, went to my CrossFit level one, which Greg Glassman was still coaching them when I went. So that's, that's pretty awesome. cool. Like my level one was uh, Sherwood. Glassman, um, the attendees like me, the Bergerons, uh, Tanya Wagner, uh, Ben Kelly. So um, it's pretty cool. Um, Some of the OG crew. Yeah, yeah, it was super. Um, Joe, Joe, not Joe DeGain, but um, uh, Alexander. Joe Alexander. He was actually there taking it with me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, no, it was a really cool crew. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was I drove down to Virginia, drove back, switched my gym over to a CrossFit gym. Um, kind of right place, right time, where another gym in Milford was kind of closing down, so I got some members from there. But at that point, it was kind of like, if you had a gym with 80 members, you had a huge gym. Like, that's what, that when I opened up my gym, that was it. It was kind of like, it was super underground. Everything was a garage. Everything was like, you know, one GHD, like broken pull-up bars that you make hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. You know, like, there wasn't these crazy rogue rigs. There wasn't like super, like, competition bumper plates. Everywhere. Nothing was fancy. It was kind of like a legit old school underground status. Like that's how it was when we first entered it. Um, and it, it was like three gyms in Connecticut. And again, it was like, if you had 60, 80 members, it was like, man, you're crushing it right now, right? Yeah. So it was kind of like, at that point, it's like, you just get into it because you love it. There was no like, oh, I'm getting into a CrossFit gym because you make so much money. Like there's nothing like that back then. It was just like, you, that's what you want to do. That's what kind of like you adapt to and you love and you're just going to go for it. Um, and that was kind of like my journey into CrossFit and CrossFit Milford. I, I mean, I remember like someone showed me the webpage one time, like before I ever had the gym. And I was kind of looking at it, I was like, push press, one, 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 push, push jerk, one, 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 split jerk, one, 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 one. And the next day was like, I was like, what is this? Like, Man, this is stupid. Yeah, I, I do this anyways. Like, <laughs> yeah. whatever, you're not telling me nothing. And then I came back to it like a year later. And the first workout I did was GI Jane, 100 burpee pull ups, right? And I was just like, uh, I was like, ugh. Wheelhouse. Yeah, like, wheelhouse, right? <laughs> like, this is pretty rough. You know, and then, you know, I think the, my, my kind of process was just like everybody else. Like, 
it's kind of like you're stepping into an ice bath. Like you put one foot in, you're kind of like, I don't know, man, this is kind of cool, but I don't quite know yeah. yet, you know? And then you kind of like slowly put the other foot in and step out. It's kind of like this, this back and forth approach for like uh, some time. And then I think at, when I went to the level one and I heard uh, Glassman talk, and I heard Sherwood talk and everything, I was like, man, this is it. You know, that's kind of like, and, and I, what caught me was the passion for fitness was their passion, you know? It's like, you hear Greg, you hear a coach talk and you're just like, you're like, yeah, you know, you're like, this this is it, you know? It's like that passion and that love for just helping people and, and having this new movement. And that's where I was like, I gotta be part of this, you know, and that was it. And now, fast forward, it's like eighth year of CrossFit Milford, mm -hmm. is that where you're at? So like eight years, congratulations. Thanks, sir. And so now you have, CrossFit Milford's moved how many times in the last eight years? Twice? So this is only your, two. Only so, two. So move twice or three three locations or two locations? That we moved to or that we have? That you've had. Only two. Okay. So I first started off in like a strip I, I started off in a strip mall next to a strip club. Okay. So that would be interesting on like the Friday evening classes when you have like the drunk guys from the strip club like walking around, <laughs> like looking in the mirror and and all the girls are like uh Jay. I'm like, uh, I don't know. These guys look pretty shady. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> yeah, so we got out of there. Came over to the new facility. That's awesome. And now, too, also throughout these years, you've had some, what's the right word, some accomplishments in the competitive CrossFit side. Mm -hmm. And what are some of those for anybody that may not know you? Um, so we've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of, Good athletes, where we've had athletes at the CrossFit Games every single year. Um, you know, our team took second in the world. Um, we routinely have probably about 10 to 15 individuals qualifying for regionals every year. Um, this year we had two teams qualify for regionals, six, no, I'm sorry, eight individuals, and we have nine Masters athletes moving on to the next stage, of which four are all ranked in the top 10 in the world. Um, so, so yeah. you're pretty good. So you're pretty good at what uh, you do. Uh, we're fortunate. <laughs> Better than average. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're fortunate, you know. So obviously, um, with having these accolades in the competitive CrossFit scene, it's the program design and the programming side is you know where you, you know, have flourished and things of that nature. What are some things when you're writing these programs? Because obviously, with that sort of accomplishments in the CrossFit's, as, CrossFit space as a sport, it's not an accident that you get there all the time. Maybe one year, maybe here or there or anything like that. But obviously, year after year, you've shown success. And what, what are the things that you kind of go through when you're writing a program for somebody like, for, for a competitive athlete and things that you go through? Because I'm sure there's, there's times too where if they're coming to you as, as a competitive athlete and trying to get to that next level, they're already pretty good at some things and you probably get a little concerned with not messing up those things either. Um, so kind of, can you walk through that process and what, what do you go into writing programs and stuff like that? So okay. I thought about this a lot, and at first, so I'll backtrack, and I'll first start off with my new thought process, and then I'll backtrack to kind of some more scientific stuff, but what do you think is the, is the single most important thing when working with an athlete? 
I think it's the relationship between the coach and the athlete, me personally. What do you think it is, Paul? I think making sure the athlete's happy. Yeah, it's trust. It's trust. You can Anybody can write stuff on paper. Anybody with a brain can read periodization and know the difference between undulating block periodization and understand stress parameters of, of barbells and gymnastics. And Anybody can put that together, right? And, but it comes down to trust. It comes down to you trusting yourself mm -hmm. as far as what you can do and what you can put down and not getting in the game of like seeing, oh, the social media game, oh, this person's doing this and this person's this and we're not doing this, so I need to do that. Um, and it comes down to the athlete trusting you. If the athlete trusts you and you trust yourself, then you can form a great relationship and you can make sure that the athlete has fun and you can progress them over time if they have the specific attributes to get where they need to be. And, and I think that's the most important thing from a programmer is being able, in a coach, is being able to develop that. And if you don't develop that, then if the athlete doesn't trust you, then they're never gonna really get where you want them to go. If you don't trust yourself, then you're always gonna be changing a plan mm -hmm. and, and not keeping it to a plan. Because everything is a plan, everything takes time. Mm -hmm. So <coughs> I think that is number one. Just a quick segue to that, I think because Anybody that's watching this may be a coach and may have some questions about this. What are some things that you've done to not only build trust in athletes, but also trust in yourself to do both sides of that? I think with myself, it's a continual process of learning. It's a continual process of talking to as many people as I know outside of, of CrossFit, out, you know, in all different fields. And then it's with myself, it's understanding that it's okay to mess up. Like, it's okay to have, to not have the right answer. It's okay to, to put something down and be like, oh, well, that didn't quite go as planned, you know? It's like, that's fine, like, that's, that's programming. But being able to recognize that and being able to be like, all right, yeah, like, in your head, I mean, you don't need to tell your athlete that, but be like, okay, like that was, that wasn't quite the right thing, or that was too much. So now, but make being able to and the know-how of how to make the adjustment and the adaption moving forward from that, so they stay in the right path, you sure. know. And and it's listening, it's the ability to listen. And I look at it like, <sighs> there are coaches I respect so much. Like you know, obviously, the, I feel like these are kind of silly answers because it's like someone asks you, you know, three people who you can have dinner with and you say like Jesus Christ, Martin Luther King, and Gandhi. Like, all right, great. Like, way to think hard on that <laughs> You're one. You're awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, but like John, uh, Dean Smith and John Wood and those guys, coaches who were like so smart and so humble but were so fine with, with not knowing the answer and, and being able to adapt to what their athletes needed. You know, not being like, oh, well, you know, I'm all the high and almighty, and if you don't do what I do or do as I say, then you're wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so that's those are kind of like the styles that I look up to and that I try to, to emulate. Um, I went off on a tangent, sorry. No, it's no, good. That's it. I think that's, that's right there. I think that's mm -hmm. awesome. That's good. Uh, and, you know, and then I think from a programming standpoint, it's like just understanding, yeah, like understanding how to write programs, understanding how to, how to write barbell work and, and Olympic lifting work because it is – it is specific, you know, you're looking at total volume and, and total load and, 
because of the amount of stress it's going to put on the joints of the shoulders, the hips, ankles, and knees. Because I think one thing that people don't take into account is they'll say, okay, you know, we're going to follow like this snatch pro, this squat program, or this snatch program, and we're going to follow, or this program, right? Oh, but then we're going to do all these workouts throughout the week. So you're not taking into, you got to take into account, all right, how many times you're squatting and like this Metcon you're doing on Friday night, or how many times you're working on muscle ups and gymnastics work coupled with snatches because I think my argument is that every time you lift so if you pull from the ground whether you're power cleaning or power snatching or etc like you're pulling from the ground right and then if you're squatting and you're front squatting you're putting more stress in the midline and then you come back and you're doing 100 thrusters 100 pull-ups 100 burpees and whatever else like you're just crushing your body so I think being able to look at the the effect of what you're trying to do at a specific point in the year and understanding like okay so if I have my year and I'm going from What's the date today? April. April. So I'm going. If I'm going to April to February, right? So we're talking about an opens athlete. Like I said, like right now, like it's not about like people in the opens. They're like, oh, gun hose. Like no, it's like right now, like you are now starting your beginning. So now it's the accumulation. So now let's rebalance, let's restructure, let's fix imbalances, let's work on different planes of movement, frontal, sagittal, transverse. Let's work on different loading parameters, concentric, eccentric, isometric. Let's work on different kind of movement patterns, strongman. Right, which Paul has had lots of experience with of rehabbing his back, um, barbell work, gymnastics work. Let's work on different energy systems, just create balance. Mm -hmm. And then we we'll say, all right, now we're gonna segue into the intensification phase to like September, October. But now what you're essentially doing now is building your ability to do that stuff later, right? So why can some people do 300 pull-ups a week and be fine, and other people do 75 pull-ups and they have shoulder impingement, right? It's because they're not building the structural integrity. You can't jump through the unsexy to get to the sexy and think that it's going to pay off in the long run yeah it's like saying okay i like that yeah. Un can't jump through the unsexy to get to the sexy you look at it's any of the sports life. you don't do that in any of the sport if i'm playing right. basketball right i'm not going to say okay i'm never going to shoot a jump shot within inside of five feet i'm never going to work my left hand i'm just going to do crossover shoot threes and work on my dunks and then expect to be good mm -hmm. you can't jump through the fundamentals and think at some point you're gonna magically be like the superstar. And I think that's what happens in our sport is that people jump through and be like, all right, I'm just gonna max out snatch, I'm gonna squat heavy, I'm gonna do a ton of gymnastics EMOMs because that's what, you know, so-and-so's doing. He's ranked second in the world, so it must work. Yeah, it works for him because he did everything else. Yeah. He did the fundamentals. He did all the hard training earlier. And I think this is a story I tell all the time. I'm sure Paul's heard it when he was here last year. But I talk about Felipe Lopez in the sport of basketball. How many people know about Felipe Lopez? Do you know who Felipe Lopez is? Only because you told me this. Only story. I told yeah, you story. Yeah, <laughs> we are the only two people in this gym right now that know about so Felipe here, Lopez. So here's my story to, to the world, right? Felipe Lopez, do you know who Felipe Lopez is? Yeah, he, well, you're a sports superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Say you, someone doesn't know who he is. So let me tell yeah. you about, let me tell, <laughs> tell let, us the story, please. Let me tell you about Felipe Lopez. In high school, Felipe Lopez was dubbed the next Michael Jordan, as many athletes are. He was the next calling. He was this unbelievable high school athlete. When he went to the high school American game, he dropped like, I think, 40 points. Crushed it. Went to St. John's in college. Then what? Why? You know, and he's on like some 30-30 special. And assembly. Like, well, you know, it's kind of like what happened type deal, right? And it's because he, when you get to a certain level, and that does not matter what sport it is, whether it's CrossFit, basketball, baseball, whatever, everybody is good. Everybody's talented. Everyone's strong. Everyone's fast. It's who spent enough time on the little things. Who spent enough time on doing the unwanted, the unnecessary stuff.
that's going to put you in a position to be successful in the nasty stuff with the higher level athletes, right? That's what it comes down to. So it's having that, that diligence in the discipline as a programmer to do that and to stand fast by that in the early phase and then the athlete being able to trust you and be like, yeah, like today I'm going to work on, you know, half kneeling bottoms up presses and sideline dumbbell extensions and I'm going to push a sled because I need to do this so I can do 50 muscle ups, 50 toes of bar and 100 pull ups in a workout, right? Yeah. It's like, so that's, you got to be able to see the forest through the trees in any sport in the early phases of your training to be successful. And if you can't, that's cool, but don't expect to be successful. And I think a lot of times, like, I have athletes that come back to me, and the first couple months that we work together, they're like, you're having me doing all this boring shit. I'm not getting any better. And then four months down the road, I throw them a test week, and every single thing, I'm not, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but they're, they're progressing much faster than they have because they took a step back for a couple months and worked on the right things. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people that are studying program design and coaching people are starting to learn. Yeah, it's it, absolutely 100%. That's awesome. So, also too now, um, for you personally now as a coach, now is your time when you start gearing people up for regionals in the games. So, a lot of your time goes into that and making sure that people are prepared for that. What are some things that like you're doing now that you might have not done with your regionals and games athletes 2 to 3 years ago? More volume. More volume. And I look at, yeah, Paul's looking at me. Well, not, no, I can't. I just well, know last year. Well, regional, year. regional, not games. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So Paul's talking about, like, leading up to the games. Yeah, Paul's doing a ton of volume. A ton of volume, right? Uh. Um, yeah, absolutely. But and, and I look at it like this. So I was talking to, I had a conversation with uh, an elite-level 800-meter sprinter. And I'm talking about, like, she's from Nigeria. Like, she was on their, like, Olympic team. Um, she was sponsored by New Balance. Like, I'm talking about, like, a minute 45, 800 runner, right? Yeah, like, like me and you. Crazy. Like me. And I was talking about her training when she was hitting it hard. She would run like 30 to 50 miles a week training for one 800-meter sprint. You know, if she was doing like a 5K uh, event, she'd be up 50 to 80 miles a week. It, Michael Phelps spends like 13 to 15,000 hours in a pool over the span of a year for his 10-second event. Sure. Um, so with the athletes that are prepared for it, it's supplementing in appropriate volume with what they need. So some of my guys right now are doing higher volume stuff between barbell, gymnastics, um, and conditioning. And then we back off. But you have to be diligent and know like, okay, like the best way to do that is to only do it with people that you talk to every single day, right? Because it's like, I'll look at like the way they walk into the gym. I'll look at the way they, they walk to the chalk bucket. I'll, look, I'll, I'll pay attention to the way they shake my hand. They, there's always telltale signs of people overreaching. Yeah. And if you don't notice the overreaching, then they're going to become overtrained, and then they're in a bad spot for a long time. And, and when you say overreaching, is that a bad thing? No. Overreaching is a good thing for people in a competition state. You want them to kind of hit it hard, uh, get the adaption, and then back off, and then look to kind of increase that baseline level of fitness to that. But it's a bad thing if you stay there too long, yeah. right? So you have to know what overreaching is, what it looks like, and then how to back off from it. So like with a competition, like I know most people – like I know three weeks out from the games last year and about two or three weeks out from regionals, I was beat up. I was tired, and that's, that's when we pulled back. And then at 
these events, I was at the fittest I had been all year for both. Yeah, I remember you specifically, like, there was one time Paul before regionals, like, couldn't snatch 205. <laughs> he was just beat up, right? And then we backed off, and, and it was, like, at regionals, he, he looks at me and goes, I'm going to... I'm snatching fucking 225 right now. Um, and he crushed it. This crushed it, right? And it was kind of like, and then at the game, same thing. Like, he comes out and he clean and jerks 325, right? Yeah. 325. It's like, in the heat, you know, stress, everything out there, it's crushed. And you, you didn't hit that in a long time, right? So, yeah, it's like being able to overreach and then back off. And then it's like the athlete's like just ready to put their head through a brick wall mm-hmm. um, at any moment. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Jay, where could people contact you, get more information about you? Is, is that our closer? Is that our closer? We yeah, done? we're going to close it down. That was, I think I think it was good. Yeah, I think we got some yeah, wonderful. I'm ready to go for like another 20 minutes. <laughs> You're ready to go for another two hours? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Let's fire these questions. I'm not giving you that. Fire some questions at me, Poppy. Let's talk about Angelo. For those of you guys who don't know about Angelo. First of all, I want everyone to look at Angelo right now. If you... Angelo... <laughs> Is the athlete who? Uh, sorry, I see my wife called me. She didn't. Um, <laughs> Angelo was hitting it hard training-wise a couple years ago. Angelo would do anything for you. Oh yeah. Well, there 750 you go. meter row repeats. Anything you need. Remember those? I was very disciplined when it was my time to try to be disciplined. I think that's the best way to say it. This isn't a question, but this is in my mind, so we'll talk about it. So I think, um, sorry guys. It's okay. Am I hijacking the podcast right now? Own it, kid. It's your show. It's your show. All right, well, I know, uh, I know you got a lot on the plate right now today. It's okay, so go ahead. So there's lots of business seminars out there run by people who don't own gyms. So I think if you're a new gym owner, just be aware of that. Um, and I think also new gym owners, people will tell you you can't run a competitive gym and have a good community, which is wrong because that's said by people who can't do either. So what you have to focus on is proper counterbalance. I don't think there's any such thing as balance. I think there's only counterbalance. Yeah. If you spend time with competitors, and programming, you have to make sure that you counterbalance that with your time on the community and the people who pay your bills and your family and everything that's gonna keep your life in a good progression. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Sure. Um, I don't know why I'm going off on this tangent. Oh, I think because uh, it happened to me, right? So obviously the opens here get really tough for me because of the athletes, the teams, the individuals, people who, who pull a lot for me which can be very emotionally draining, you know, over like sure. five weeks. So um, because of that, I think it, it, it definitely hinders the community. So mm-hmm. now it's kind of like the time where you have to revamp kind of like what matters, you know. And if you talk about the community, what matters to the community? And I don't think it's about like how many cool things you can do. It's about how much excitement you can generate with inside the community. How much excitement and passion can you generate to people that walk through the door? Um, so for gym owners out there, I think focus on that. Focus on excitement. Focus on engagement. Focus on everybody that walks through your door every single day and make sure they feel cared about and engaged in. And if you can do that 
and you can, then you can provide proper counterbalance if you want to attack other avenues. Um, but it comes down to proper prioritization of where you want to be and what you want to look at. Like if you want, like, like if you wanted to have a small gym with a couple competitors and do all that, cool, great, do that, right? But if you want to have a gym with community and also have a competitive environment, you can absolutely do that. The only people tell you you can't do that. Just make sure you you apply the proper attention to all areas and not let it get away from you. I could tell that was on your mind, and I'm glad you got that off your chest. <laughs> I'm glad the world heard that. That was that was good. That's awesome. Don't man. hit me! Don't hit me with the closure. Don't no, don't, don't hit don't me with the closure. I'm extremely sorry. We're closing. We, this is our time to wrap up with Jason. Um, Obviously, we're extremely comfortable with Jason, and he is with us, as you can see by the fact that we let him hijack the last 12 <laughs> minutes and 46 seconds of this podcast. I think what's cool is that if I hijack it again, Paul will get a kick out of this because Angela can get very stressed out. What do you know? I live a structured stress- life, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Paul, let's talk. Uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm the one that has to deal with him the rest of the day. So this nervous laugh... I think if you're a new gym owner, I think if you're looking to, no, 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 hear me out. So I think you guys should take advantage of Angelo. I think Angelo does a lot of things on Snapchat. He does a lot of things on on, uh, social media. And I think that he has a really good finger on the pulse of the social media game. So I think like if you are listening to this podcast, you are, do follow, uh, you should follow Angelo and or pay him to have him mentor you on social media and running a gym. Because I, I, I've talked to a lot of people out there. I don't know too, too many people um, that kind of get innovative with stuff the way he does. And I think if you're looking for amazing coaches, you can, carry on. I think if you're looking carry for Carry on. Carry on. I think if you're looking for You can keep talking now. Keep it going. If you're looking for coaches, <laughs> definitely you guys should pay attention to Paul and Angel, uh-huh. what they have to say. Extremely smart guys. They've had a great mentor. So I, <laughs> Big ups to the mentor. Find a mentor. No, in all honesty, though, I know we didn't talk much about this. I think finding some mentor or a mentor that you could learn from is essential to any success in any realm. I don't think anybody ever does it alone, and if anybody says they did it alone, they're lying. So I'm a big fan of finding that. Who's next on the schedule for today? We have a lot today we have adam here we're, we're rolling all day i love here. adam yeah this love is our, our setup here thanks for jason letting Guys, us i'm sure adam, I'm sure adam will talk about it but adam was a professional baseball player we're going into that yeah we're going into that oh, nice. the man walked in with baseball socks on i know you guys can't see this he is ready to field some grounders <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's I, all i'm saying i feel his eyes in the back of my neck yeah, that's because that's where finish, they are yeah waiting for me yep. to finish <laughs> All right, so Jay, give him a quick closing. Where can people find you if they? Want so let to me get tell you. Here? Let me tell you something else. No, <laughs> we are, we are closing. Cut. Turn it off. Allostasis. So uh, return your homeostasis as fast as you can, and then restress. Thank you. Okay. So uh, yeah, so Jason, uh, my you can you can walk by Pam. Yeah. Pam's seven years old, kicking butt. Say hi, Pam. Hi. Hello. Okay. So social media. Instagram, we have our CrossFit Milford competitors page, we have the CrossFit Milford page, and we have my own page, Jason Lydon. Um, my page, you find kind of tips, and I'll talk about programming, and I'll talk about different aspects of working with athletes there. Facebook, uh, Jason Lydon, and there's CrossFit Milford, and then obviously the webpage that we have. Good, Paul. Where can they find out about us? Our, webs- or us? our website. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our site. where can they find about Not All About Fitness, uh, www.notallaboutfitness.com, and 
at not all about fitness on Instagram and soon Angela's favorite Snapchat. It's all about Snapchat. And subscribe on iTunes. Good talk. Later. Thank you.